0: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have Andres Bustamante back on for the second time, one of the rare two-peats we've had here on the podcast. (laughs) And he's going to tell us all about what he's seen in the market here today and how he's seen people be successful. But real quick, Andres, could you tell our listeners who haven't heard your past episode who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in the Austin area?
2: Of course. It all started when I needed to find a way to pay for college, started doing real estate as a leasing agent. Then after college, I decided to pursue real estate, even though I had other career opportunities. Real estate was kind of scary though, because it's not as stable once you're starting off. But I joined a team, learned a lot about mindset, bought several several properties, and been in Austin ever since. I'm 26 now, and I started when I was 19 as a leasing agent.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And I know you own a few real estate investments in the Austin area too. Could you tell our listeners about that?
2: Yeah, of course. I have three houses in Austin. I bought them all as new builds. So essentially when the market was going crazy about two years, three years ago, Hmm. I was 23 and I needed to just be like, Hey, if I'm a real estate agent and I'm recommending people to buy houses, why don't I have a house myself? So that was kind of the first realization, and then also realizing that housing was the largest expense. So instead of having to go crazy and bid against other people, because there was like 10 to 15 bids every time, I'm also a real estate agent, agent Mm -hmm. and investor. Um, I found out about new builds, and I put a $1,000 deposit, locked the home's price, and moved in, lived in one room, rented out the others. So essentially, I was living for free, I had covered my living expenses. And now that house, the first house that I bought is worth like 500,000. The market has adjusted. It's worth 500,000. So that's like 200,000 more than what I got it for. And I pulled something known as a home equity line of credit on that house. So essentially, I lend money to people and I get paid for it, which is insane. We can We can delve deeper into that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So you... You started out with some house hacks here in Austin. So you've got some uh, – you, you bought – at least one of them is just a pure rental, right? Yes, the third one. Okay. So you've got
2: you two house hacks you've done here in Austin. You've got a rental. Third house. And honestly, right now, to tell you the truth, I have a fourth house that I might close in a week. But I'm legit debating if I should close it or not. Okay. It's a new build. KB Homes. Nowadays, with the market adjusting a ton, there's more opportunities. This builder, I locked the rate at 6.25. And I know that builders are doing rate buy-downs, and they're offering like maybe 15K in closing costs, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. This builder only covered title policy, and they're sticking to that. So I'm like, look, dude, I I customized the house. Yes, that's great. But if I'm not going to be living in this house for more than two years, is it worth it or not? So. Mm I might go off contract. That's one thing I've been debating this week.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I know with uh, with those new build properties that a lot, like you said, a lot of them are giving just so many incentives. There's, oh, there's yeah. kind of two markets right now. There's the resale market, like, hey, this house has been lived in already, and then there's a the new build market, and they're completely different. And I know you know this better than I do, because you guys do a lot more new builds than we do. But- There's just so they could not be more different. The resale market is still fairly competitive. Things are still going under under contract pretty quickly, sometimes multiple offers. I just bid on one three days ago that had multiple offers and I lost.
1: But two
2: today, yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, two offers.
0: Yeah. People think it's people are struggling to sell homes. They're not. I'm putting offers out. We are. The day before Thanksgiving, we're recording this 2022. It's all doom and gloom in the headlines. But as real estate agents, we're seeing a different thing here on the ground, but not with new build properties where they're doing a lot to sell those properties because they have a lot more inventory than in the resale market.
2: Oh, for sure. And it's pretty insane because new builds, like we we're talking, they give closing costs. A lot of people stick with, oh, the rate's too high. Well, did you know that you can get a rate buy down? You buy Mm -hmm. discount points. A point is usually 1% of the purchase price. And that's about, you can reduce your interest rate by Mm 0.25. Might get a little complicated for people that are listening, but you can do that. Then there's a, you can do an ARM adjustable rate mortgage. There's a lot of ways to go about the interest rate. Now, the big thing here is, would you rather bid or you might potentially have to pay a slightly higher interest rate? Monthly payment, so it's just a difference. I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, I don't want to have to bid." Well, now you don't have to bid. So, <laughs> kind of, what are people waiting for? It's funny. It's very different, but it all yeah. depends on the goals that you have in real estate.
0: Yeah, and I know you know you talked about an arm. I know I talked to a our lender friend David here recently, and he talked about they have a way with an FHA arm where you can get the rate down to three point nine nine. That's what you were getting a year ago. Insane. So- Still great ways to get great rates right now. So you know, Andres, I know you're you're helping people invest a lot in Austin, and it's clearly you're still investing in Austin. Why are you investing in the Austin area?
2: The Austin area, I really see a lot of potential for that appreciation. Mm-hmm. And also now there's an opportunity that beforehand we hadn't seen. what i'm what I mean by that is the resale market. I only used to look at new builds. And now with the resale market, you're opening up more and they're not being like 15 bids and having to go like 15%, even 30% over ask, which I did on several occasions with clients. There's an opportunity with resale homes. You get to choose the closer location. With new builds, it's more so path of progress. Mm-hmm. That's not bad because your home, I appreciate faster, but still some people want to resale that's closer, maybe downtown or have the option to choose the neighborhood to not be an up and coming. So I, myself, yes, I will still invest in Austin just that my criteria is now more kind of specific beforehand. There'd be a buffer because there's a lot of appreciation that we were seeing like week in week out mm-hmm. still invest in Austin, but it's kind of like now has to be very, very specific properties. I always tell people it's like, or ask any clients, like, what is your goal with buying real estate and what are your expectations? And from there, I can see if it's legitimate or not, mm-hmm. because in this is Austin market, it's changing a lot. And now oh. prices have adjusted in the past two years, like by a ton. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. And I think, you know, you mentioned the, the path of progress where I, I just helped a client buy a new build property in Kyle. A few years ago, Kyle was nowhere is filled. There was nothing. Yeah, there. it's like,
2: what is Kyle?
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, Costco is about to open up there. There's tons of commercial development going on in the area. Everything you want is going to be just down the street. So what was out in the boonies two years ago now has a lot around it. But now the prices are starting to go up. You can still get a new build, three-bedroom, two-bath home in in Kyle for $300,000. And like you said, they'll buy down your rate. They'll make it affordable. They will sell to investors. They're getting a lot more. Cooperative when selling these new build properties. But I think you mentioned it well there, where you said you really got to figure out what you want and then figure out where you want to be with investing or if you're trying to buy a home. And that yeah. determines and what you're going to do.
2: It's also realizing it's like, look, who would you rather pay rent to, yourself or someone else? Because essentially you're building up equity. Mm-hmm. And once you build equity, you have options. You can do a HELOC, you could potentially even Airbnb. You can rent out the room. So, what's the worst case scenario? Oh, I'm paying $500 out of my pocket. Bet you're building equity. Mm -hmm. Bet once you move out, you might even get cash flow because you rent out all the rooms. So, you have to see it by not just one way of, okay, I'm going to be paying this mortgage, but what other ways can you cover it? And what's the worst case? One thing also that I love with new builds is that a home's value is based on the sales comparison approach. So, what other homes in the vicinity sell for that are very similar, so new builds. Potentially, you get in the first phases of the construction. Usually, new builds are built in phases. Phase one, they build a hundred houses. Phase two, they might build a hundred as well. Three, four, five. You get in on phase two, and they're building the same floor plan through phase three, four, and five. Imagine what your same floor plan will be selling in phase four, and then phase five. So that's how a lot of my clients have gotten appreciation because the same home will be selling. And usually for a higher price, that's another benefit that I've seen with new builds that a lot of people like.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think the other things people like about new builds is no maintenance and capital expense for quite a while.
2: The warranties, there's also warranties. Yeah, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. So yeah, like you said, there's tons of ways to invest. There's resale, there's new builds, there's all those different types of assets. But knowing what you're looking for is important to figuring out what you're going to invest in. And, Andres, I know you, we talked about this a little bit in our first episode, but you started leasing in college. So you had a lot of experience with real estate before you got out of college. And then you got out of college and started selling real estate. A few years after that, you started to invest. Other than saying, hey, I'm selling this, I might as well buy some. What other reasons attracted you to real estate investing?
2: It was kind of like the commonality of the highly successful people. What do they do? And I was seeing a lot of them were real estate investors. Mm-hmm. Then also really, if I'm an agent, I have to help. I have to be doing what I, what I'd say I'm doing. So it was that. And then also my mentors, I mean, all of my mentors, Diego Corzo, Victor Nino, they all had properties and they're highly successful. So I was like, there's a reason it has to be correlated. Yeah. And I mean, I saw all the benefits of real estate. I mean, in a market like Austin, being able to put as low as three percent down, the return on investment that I've had for that first house and the second and the third has been absurd. Like the first house, I get a thousand in cash flow. Wow! So that pays for my for my car. Mm -hmm. Second house, I'm living for free, and getting three hundred in cash flow. Third house, it's a rental property. I'm getting about five hundred in cash flow and i'm gonna adjust the rents because the rents have gone up so i mean there's just so many benefits and then i saw oh you can natural appreciation great then forced appreciation even better (laughs) if you add something to the house the potential to go up is very high obviously you have to be smart about it but there's just so many ways and things that i was seeing that were common threshold for a lot of millionaires and people that are highly successful that i said i need to invest in real estate what's the worst case that can happen i don't like it okay maybe i don't do it i'm young and i can still do these things you know mm-hmm. and yeah. it, i've reaped the, reaped the benefits for
0: sure yeah you're in a great place and you're with a great team too i know victor and diego both and showed the benefits of real estate investing early on. But you know, like you oh, talk yeah. about, you have control. Worst case scenario, it's it's not for you. Uh, you said earlier, you have to live somewhere. You might as well be paying yourself rent. So let's say you buy the first house, start house hacking it, two years in, you say, hey, this isn't for me. I don't wanna be a landlord. You have to move out. And then you've got a house that you didn't pay exactly. for. So- Exactly. Just and really the trends
2: show nice. that the market in Austin is probably going to continue going up.
0: Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys.
2: Mar- the It has been adjusting a bit, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Just that in a market like where people were tesla facebook google oracle hq came i mean what do you think is going to happen when a tech companies like that come to here yeah. and the amount of people that are coming as well it's just absurd lots of development here that's for sure oh yeah oh yeah
0: so you know you talked a little bit about you took a heloc out and you're loaning money out can you
2: tell us about that for sure heloc is a home equity line of credit Mm-hmm. essentially equity is what you've already paid down of the house plus any natural appreciation so for me my mortgage on the first house is about 200,000 and it's my house is worth 500,000 the oh. equity i have is 300 yeah it's insane right the equity i have is 300,000 i put 10% down on that first house and i think it was 3 years ago or 2 years ago you put 10% down on your first house Yeah, because I had sold like a million dollar property when I was 22 and I saved the money and I said, 10%, my numbers work, so let's do it. And I was like, hey, that's perfect. So yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Like the first house, that was pretty funny. Yeah. And then the HELOC, a lender, typically they lend 80% of the equity. So I didn't decide to go for like the max. I got like 180K, that's still a ton or 150K. Yeah, I pulled 150K, and the big thing about the HELOC, it's not like a refinance. With a HELOC, you only pay on what you use. Mm-hmm. So I have friends, actually, like Nico Salazar. Mm-hmm. He was on your podcast recently. Yeah, he needed, like, he needed like 60K. So I lent Nico 60K, and I think I charged like two or three points. I forgot what it was. But two points is 2% of the purchase price. That's due right away. And then I think the interest rate was like 8% or 10%. I don't even know. So essentially Nico would pay me 10% interest rate over a year for six months. And he would pay me everything back that he got. So 60 K plus the 2% plus the interest rate. So let's say I got like, just to make it simple, let's say I got 5 K and that's without doing anything, just lending money from one of my first houses. So just pretty insane that I'm making cash flow plus lending money with my first house. Dude, it's like natural appreciation. My house appreciated by that much, pulled out a HELOC, and now I lend money to people.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I know we uh, <laughs> yeah. we borrow a lot of money from from private lenders like you, you know. So a private lender, everybody thinks it's some sophisticated or special individual. It's it's somebody like Andres. Andres is a private lender. Hey, I'm a bit for, special. Uh, for Nico. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a private lender, but he, you pay him two points and 10% interest on the loan. You know, maybe he just set up as his interest rate goes up. So maybe you're paying him three points and 12% interest, but you, you don't do anything. Andres just makes sure you're a credit worthy individual and you're going to pay him back. And it doesn't doesn't take you through the whole rigmarole like a lender, a normal lender would. And he makes good money and you make good money.
2: Yeah, just pull up a promissory note on Rocket Lawyer. And that's that. It's so easy. Oh my gosh, it was the easiest. It legit took me like an hour at most, Mm -hmm. the whole process. And every month, Nico would pay me. (laughs) And then at the end of the six months, I'd get everything back. Mm -hmm. Plus, obviously, whatever else I made.
0: Yeah. And, and definitely, it's incredible. definitely, guys, if you're thinking about being a private lender, make sure you know who you're, obviously, Andres knows yeah. Nico very well. He knows the projects he's doing. He knows everything about it. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty sure bet. But when you're a private lender, you don't want to lend somebody money and not have a good guarantee that you're going to get the return
2: you promised, plus, of course, your money back. Exactly. We get a promissory note all the time. Rocket Lawyer is pretty great and simple. Mm-hmm. So,
0: do you have a, a first or second lien, or is it just a promissory note?
2: Just a promissory note.
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there's all sorts of ways to do this. You know, talk to attorneys. You can get a first lien, meaning you're the only only mortgage on the property, and you come in line first. You can get a second lien, meaning you're second on the property, and then in conjunction with that you can get a promissory note, but make sure you're talking to an attorney. I'm not one. I'm pretty sure you're not, Andres. Um, yeah, no. So Definitely do not. your due diligence, talk to the right people, but it can be a really great way to make money, like Andres said, with doing nothing at all. You know, just making making the first loan and collecting the checks.
1: Oh, yeah. Just how I like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Me too. Um, Andres, it, I'm going to lean on
0: you a little bit here, and I'm going to learn something while we're doing this podcast. Can you give our listeners some advice on how to get the best deal when looking at a new construction property?
2: Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join goabundancecom slash Emerge. GoBundance.com Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Oh, this is a good one. Definitely have a great agent that has experience. Mm -hmm. Because an agent that has experience will know the sales reps. The sales reps are essentially the kind of the the selling agent. Mm -hmm. So they help the builders. And if they know you well, they might give you some leeway as to, hey, you know what? We're getting a house back on the market. We want to sell it fast. So we're going to give these incentives. If you have clients, let me know. And sometimes maybe they're they're wanting a 3% deposit. And if you don't know the market well, 3% deposit nowadays, that's not that common because nowadays it's turning more into a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. So you're like, hey, you know what? I do want it. Just at 3%, it doesn't work. Let me know how we can make 1% deposit work. So it's really knowing the market very well and knowing what builders you're dealing with. For example, KB Homes, they hardly ever negotiate anything. Mm. For one of my clients, Meritage Homes, I know that my client was like, hey, you know what? This Price doesn't make that much sense nowadays, and I told them it doesn't make sense. You're right. Let's send the builder comps to see why our our price should be supported at a lower price. We sent them comps, and as for closing costs, they adjusted our price by about thirty thousand, and gave us like ten thousand more in closing costs while under contract. Because now us as buyers have more leverage, dude. I've done that with like right now. I have like. 14 homes under contract for clients. And of those 14, like 12 or new builds, those 12, I've had like eight of them adjust the price or give us more closing costs. Mm-hmm. So while under contract, because before, unfortunately builders, dude, they could yeah. be like, Hey, we're, we're going to close in a week. And we have to, and it's like, dude, come on now. Us buyers have more leverage. Mm-hmm. So it's really knowing your agent that you're working with and knowing that in an adjusting market, builders want to sell. They don't want to put it back on the market, so you can potentially get more than what you're under contract for.
1: Love it, and I think, you
0: know, a lot of what you just mentioned there can be boiled down to something really simple: is you have to ask. And I think so many people are afraid exactly. to ask because they say, "Well, that doesn't happen." And Andres is telling you, "Yeah, it does happen." And I've just had it happen with eight people. So I've had I had a client. I was mentioning the Kyle property we just closed. We just closed this property for a buyer. He went under contract and got past all of his contingencies months ago. But we went back to the builder and said, hey, we found XYZ wrong with this place still. We're seeing properties sell for less. We need a price adjustment. We got a massive price adjustment on this property. And all we had to do was ask. So you know what, what they wouldn't have given us? Without asking was that price adjustment they They wouldn't have come to us and said, "Hey, hey, guys, here's a fifty grand off this property, but when you go ask and you provide like Andres said, you provide a a good argument for why you should have this adjustment. a lot of the times you're gonna at least get something,
2: and it's always oh, worth yeah. asking and it can be like a you know what instead of a price adjustment, a washer dryer or a fridge, mm-hmm. some appliances." So it's all about being savvy with how you ask and mm-hmm. how you present it. Yeah. The comp show something different. So let me know what we can do to make this work.
0: I yeah. really like how you say that there too, because it's always about how can we both win rather than how can I win? And I'm going to make you feel bad about the whole thing.
2: Oh That's yeah. No,
0: not a good strategy.
2: Yeah. I mean, be friends with sales reps, dude, the sales reps are honestly my friends. Mm-hmm. and they send me so many like off-market new builds it's pretty funny mm-hmm. and they're really cool people i mean dude at the end of the day they're people you know why are exactly. you going to be mean to someone
0: yeah it's uh what is it you attract more honeys with or sorry more bees with honey than vinegar and hey look at that one you gotta be nice i like
1: people. it
0: <laughs> love it uh andres you know, when somebody's coming to you and saying, Hey, Andres, you know, I want to buy a, a newer house in Austin. What, what are you telling this person? If they say, I want to buy a 2015 or newer, what,
2: what are you, what's your advice? Firstly, I say, Why is that important to you? What's important about buying a house? Because I really want to delve deep into the mindset and what they are thinking and if that's realistic or not.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Then after getting into that, it's really like, Look, path of progress that i've seen most appreciation east of i-35 so that's where a lot of my clients have bought east of i-35 because that's where prices still have a ton of potential to go up even more and Mm. that's where there's more raw land in austin example velocity crossing close to tesla Mm. hebs building there there's a ton of construction going on there and then northeast we're looking at amazon just finished building their storage facility huge storage facility then a Samsung is coming in Tyler. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, that's further out than East of I-35, but it's just several examples. Samsung's ready east of I-35. Mm-hmm. GM is east of I-35. Dell is east of I-35. So when it, based on the conversations and the questions that I ask, usually it's guided to oh, I want something that's potential to appreciate a price based in Austin that's still a great price, and everything is relative, but great price is all relative. Mm-hmm. In Austin, though. The median price is 555 k in the city of Austin. And I've been finding things that are under that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: East of I-35. So that's usually after the questions I ask where people go to. And they have great incentives. West of I-35, new builds, they're on the more expensive side. So it, it just depends what people want. But East of I-35 has been great.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've
2: seen a lot of appreciation because of the many tech companies that have come through there. The many people that are moving there, and the fact that there's a lot of, I mean, just new suburbs, not new suburbs, but growing. Kyle, yeah. Buda, Bastrop, Pflugerville, mm-hmm. <laughs> which before Flugerville was far, and now it's a close suburb.
0: Yeah. And I, I like a lot of what you, you said too is, you know, hey, there's the, the potential to appreciate of these lower priced homes. And really what I've always told people was follow the affordability because if it's affordable, the prices are gonna go up faster because more people can buy on hence more demand. And that's worked really well for me. It's just saying, hey, where's affordable right now? But if I can get past the, hey, this isn't just the absolute perfect location, it doesn't have everything I need, like we mentioned earlier, in a few years, it probably will. So if you're gonna live there for three or four years, who cares that H-E-B or that Costco is going to be there.
1: Exactly. Your house it's is going path, to be worth a
2: lot more. Path of progress. In Austin, if you see raw land, what does that typically mean? Ask, I ask clients that, what do you think it means? Isn't it a great opportunity? What do you think raw land means close to Austin? Hmm. They usually know the answer to that. <laughs> so it's all about asking the right questions. And then one thing as well that has been pretty pretty interesting the new build, you go in under contract, maybe with one thousand or three thousand dollar deposit. While under contract, it might take seven months. You find a resale that you like. Worst case, you lose those three k, but you can get the resale under contract, and maybe you get all closing costs. So it's worth losing those three k because you're getting potentially a better deal. So I've had three or four clients in the past year go off contract because while under contract for the new build, we got under contract for a resale, we closed and got a better deal. I got them a better deal. And then they're like, okay, once we've closed, now the new build doesn't make sense. But it wasn't until we closed that we canceled the new build. And I'd fight to try to get the deposit back, but typically you can't. But it's just an example of how the market has changed. I mean, look, you go under contract for a new build, if you find something that you like more, know that the only thing you lose is your deposit. Mm -hmm. But hey, if I can negotiate a better price or something better, then it makes sense, right? And that's what I've done as well, and now there's more opportunity.
0: Yeah, like I really like that because you know a lot of people get really caught up and oh, you know, it, what if this isn't the perfect house? And like you just mentioned there, if you make the offer and you get it, you get the deposit accepted and the property under contract for a thousand dollars, that's essentially free reign to go out and look at as many houses as you want, make as many offers as you want. And be more aggressive to get that perfect house. And yeah, maybe you get the perfect house, you get the perfect deal on the perfect house. But even if you had not have have gotten that perfect house, you still had a new build that was going to close in seven months. Exactly.
2: You already so. have that. And people are like, okay, at least I have this new build. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. thing actually that was that was pretty funny. A lot of people think that the new build prices is like set in stone. I've actually sent offers to builders. <laughs> like my clients are like, you know what? This house is at 440. We want it for 410. Mm-hmm. And we've done that and we've gotten off offers either accepted or adjusted. But know that you can send offers now to builders. A lot of people think it's set in stone. No, it isn't. Yeah. Now with houses on the market longer, you can send offers to new builds as well.
0: Love it. Yeah. And I think what Andres and I were both very active agents here in Austin. We're seeing the same thing. The market has kind of shifted, but it's shifted a lot more for new build properties. And you have a lot more opportunity there. Oh, yeah. So, Andres, you know, you've come a long way even since I've known you, and you're still very young and you've just. You've been moving really quickly, but what's next for you? What are your long-term goals and what's your vision for your real estate career? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, he wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on.
2: Long-term goals have been changing. You know, it's been adjusting. I was originally saying commercial real estate. That still excites me. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh my gosh, crazy, crazy. But I do want to get my hands on some commercial properties. And I have some partners that have been helping me with that, with storage facilities or retail. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I've been looking into. The thing that excites me a lot, though, is sticking with my real estate, helping people invest and buy real estate and sell while also doing public speaking and helping athletes, top athletes. I've helped some of the Austin FC players get properties. Top athletes understand the difference between being rich and wealthy, wealth building. And I've given some talks to like real estate agents and some UT Austin students. That gets me very excited. Like I hired a public speaking coach and I really see myself in the next three, five years being a Public speaker that helps athletes kind of like just manage that understanding, dude. Because so many athletes, which is so sad, once they retire, they go broke. That income is not coming as it was before, now it's different. And the fact that there's so many liabilities nice cars, nice house, and it's like, oh shit, the money isn't coming anymore. You know, that's just so important. And through helping some of the Austin FC players and then just some of the UT Austin students, as you know, Jordan, the mindset is so different. And the people we surround ourselves with, like abundance people, they're such a different mindset. And it's a different understanding that unfortunately not a lot of people know of. Like, you don't have to work for someone the rest of your life, eight to five. I want people to understand that. I want people to understand you can build a legacy. I want people to understand the wealth building. So that gets me excited. Real estate agents and public speaking is what gets me most excited. And that's my plan.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I know you were even speaking to real estate agents in London when you're on vacation. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. I know some of the real estate agents in London, KW, and I got to give them a, a presentation. It was sick. And then we went out after the super cool people. I had such a great time.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of that, Andres, you know, talk about motivating people and changing your mindset. Do you have a favorite mindset book that you like to recommend to people?
2: I love The Four Agreements. Mm. Such a great book by Miguel, Don Miguel. I forgot his last name. But essentially, it talks about don't make assumptions. Don't take things personally. um, Always do your best and be impeccable with your word. Those are the four agreements. Impeccable with your word whenever you talk to yourself. How do you talk to yourself? We have so many negative things we tell ourselves on a daily basis. Don't make assumptions. Uh, for example, we're talking to someone and they look away, people probably assume that they maybe they're not interested. What if they just looked away because they heard something? You know? Like we make so many assumptions. Um, don't take things personally. People might be having a bad day and maybe they they see something negative and think it's about you. no, it's it's about themselves. Mm-hmm. And then, Always do your best. Why wouldn't you do your best? You know, I mean, and your best always changes depending on the circumstances. And for example, I broke my shin, so my best might be different today than it was like three months ago. That book is great. Also, the Untethered Soul. Oh my gosh, I don't know if you've read it or not, Jordan. But not. Untethered Soul. I think it's Michael Slater or Slatter. Oh, such a good book. It's it's kind of confusing. But it's like a book about becoming present in the moment. I really, really love that book.
0: I believe I have it. I order so many books that I just can't. Yeah, dude,
2: same, same. It's the same thing. Like I hear about one and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then it's like, oh, so this is the 10th book on my list now.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, I completely agree. And I really like what you talk about with the negative self-talk there. I think that can be so destructive. Because none of us is better than anyone else. Like we're, we all essentially have the same capabilities, but some of us just believe we can do so much more. And Andres mentioned it. You know, we're both part of a mastermind called Go GoBundance and we surround ourselves with lots of high performers. Andres, you know, that's like he mentioned earlier in the podcast, that's how he got started real estate investing. He said, I see all these successful people that are above me right now and they're doing this. So maybe I should do that. But if he had negative self-talk, he might say, "Hey, I can't do that." But having that that positive self-talk and just being nice to yourself is so important, and 100%. it can help you so much.
2: So
1: remember, thing, you're like, not
0: perfect,
2: and be nice. Yeah. To yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely not perfect because a lot of people think it's like I have to be the perfect version. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Realize that like a new build. It's never going to be perfect. Well, <laughs> and then. Yeah. Also, I know you have a morning routine because we see each other at the gym all the time. Yeah, That's so important.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Having time for yourself in the morning, you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. It's a big misconception. You can wake up at 6, but at least do things for yourself mm-hmm. before you start your workday. Because if you start your workday right away, the worst thing you can do, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You, don't have, you didn't set time for yourself, and you're not going to be in a good mood
0: Yeah, talk about having positive self-talk. It's a lot easier when you've got that solid morning routine that that puts (sighs) you in a good state of mind to take on the day. Game changer. Yeah, I love that too. Big, big fan of the Miracle Morning. Yes. So, Andres, what's the best way for people to get hold of you?
2: Through either TikTok or Instagram. It's AndresBustaTX. A-N-D-R-E-S-B-U-S-T-A-T-X.
0: Okay. And we'll absolutely put that in the show notes for everyone. And Thanks, bro. Most important question we ask here today, Andres, what is your favorite
1: restaurant in Austin? Let's go. I'm going to have to pick two. Two. Loro,
2: incredible. Korean fusion barbecue. Oh, Mm -hmm. so good. Loro and then Terry Black's by far. Like if I ever have a client or a friend that's new to Austin, Mm -hmm. that's the first place I'll take them to. For me, that's the best barbecue in town. I love it. And it's so close to downtown. Usually we get barbecue and then we go like on scooters around downtown. It's such a good time.
0: Yeah, no, great location. Definitely. I I like to park not in their parking lot. And that makes the experience a lot easier. Oh, parking is like, yeah, it's a battle. If you go, don't tell anybody. If you go up and take a left at that El Alma stoplight right there. And just go up the hill. That's always yeah.
2: parking up there. That's where I go. <laughs> yeah, It's a great spot. It's our secret.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on here today, Andres. Again, follow Andres on Instagram and TikTok at Andres Busta, TX. Follow me at Jordan underscore Moorhead. I am not on TikTok, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I might have a TikTok. But follow us both on Instagram and check us both out on TikTok when you get a chance. Somebody let me know if I'm posting on TikTok right now. I'm sure it's great if I am. You should start to do it, bro. Absolutely. Well, cool. Thank you so much for coming on. And we will talk to you here soon.
1: Thanks, brother. Appreciate you.
0: All right. Take it easy.